greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 160 Prophets Motivate Construction Zerubbabel's strong rebuke of the Samaritans sent the delegation back to its homeland in the former Israelite territory to the north. He was right to not allow them to help with the construction of the temple, since they would have brought a pagan culture to Jerusalem. Having just been released from captivity, the Jews were determined not to fall into idolatry as their fathers had. Back home, the Samaritan governor addressed his assembled council. We have to come up with a different plan to ensure this nation of Jews doesn't become more powerful than us. He said, we should make a preemptive strike before they have a chance to mount a defense, declared one of his advisors. Don't be so foolhardy, the governor retorted from his seat above the council. Didn't you hear what their leader Zerubbabel said? They have a decree from the emperor that authorizes them to rebuild the temple. Any military action against them would put us at odds with the Persians. No, it must be something more subtle than war. After a few moments of silence, one of the elder statesmen spoke up. Since it would be wise for us to stay in favor with the Persians, we need to make it look like we are protecting their interests. And how do you propose we do that? The governor responded. You said that Zerubbabel mentioned that they had a decree to build the temple. The elder continued. Yes, that's right. But he didn't necessarily say that they had a decree to build up Jerusalem. Is that correct? You're right. He didn't mention anything like that. So, what are you suggesting? The governor pressed. I advise that we hire lawyers who are known to the Persian court and can be swayed by some financial incentives, said the statesman. It may be that if they remind the Persian leadership of Jerusalem's history of revolting against empires like their own, they might be more inclined to stop the work themselves, especially if we provide proof that the Jews are trying to break away from the Persians. The governor smiled. You are a clever man, he said, rising to his feet. This plan could work. See to it. The meeting concluded and the scheming Samaritans went to work to initiate their plot against the Jews. The Bible indicates that plots like this frustrated the Jews as they tried to complete the construction of the temple. It is likely 
that when Cyrus the Great died, the Samaritans made the most of the unstable political situation and were able to put a complete stop to the temple construction. Faced with an uphill struggle against the ruling powers, the Jews reasoned that it was likely God's will for the temple project to stop for the time being. Maybe the timing just isn't right for it to be finished, they thought. So work on the temple came to a halt for ten long years. This was not God's will, however. He was very displeased that the Jews had lost their focus on the work they had returned to Jerusalem to do. And so, to correct the Jews for their lazy and selfish behavior, God raised up two prophets. Listen up, Zerubbabel and Joshua. I have a message from God to you, declared the prophet Haggai. God sees that the people believe it's not the time for God's house to be built. The prophet continued, You should have done more to correct that thinking. It most certainly is time for God's house to be built. Assemble the people. They need to hear this message. While Zerubbabel and Joshua had not knowingly been rebelling against God, they certainly had become too permissive with the people by allowing God's temple project to be stopped. They quickly gathered the people near the temple grounds to hear Haggai's message. I see what you've been doing, spending time building your own expensive and luxurious homes, began Haggai, speaking on behalf of God. Do you think it's okay for you to build extravagant houses for yourselves while my house, the temple, stands forgotten and incomplete? You should consider what you have done more carefully. God warned through his prophet. Can't you see that you are not being blessed because of your actions? You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them into pockets filled with holes. Can't you see that you have not been blessed because you have been focused on yourselves and not on my work? Haven't you noticed that for the past few years there has been severe drought, which has kept you from having good harvests? Didn't you wonder why all your cattle are famished and malnourished? Couldn't you see that I was bringing the drought upon you to correct you? While you focused on yourselves, my house was left deserted. It is time now to consider what you have done and to change your ways. Go up to the lonely hill where my temple should be built. Bring wood and start building, and I will bless your efforts once again. When Haggai finished his message, the crowd remained profoundly silent for a long while. They knew that the prophet was right. They had been too focused on their own projects, selfishly building up their own houses and farms. All the while, the construction of God's house, the main reason why they had returned from Babylon 15 years earlier, remained incomplete. 
After many days of heartfelt repentance, the people gathered in Jerusalem again. This time, they were ready to work. Seeing their repentance, God sent Haggai once more to the people with a message, this time of encouragement. God wants you to know that He has seen your repentance and your renewed desire to work on His temple. His message to you is, I am with you. Led by Zerubbabel and Joshua, the Levites began working on the temple once again. The prophet Haggai and his counterpart Zechariah continued to instruct and encourage the people to cleanse their personal lives of sin. Almost immediately, God started to bless the individual lives of the people as they directed their efforts towards God's work. As further encouragement, Zechariah prophesied to them that just as Zerubbabel was the one who started the construction effort years before, he would also be there to finish it. All who were able, including the prophets themselves, helped in the building effort. It was a time of great joy in Judah as the Jews allowed themselves to be led by God. Progress was made so quickly, however, that it gained the attention of the Persian authorities. About 15 years and four different Persian rulers had come and gone since work had initially ceased on the temple. When the work resumed, Emperor Darius was in charge of the Persian Empire. This was not Darius the Mede, who is mentioned in Daniel. Darius was a powerful leader who greatly enhanced the civil authority of the Persian Empire. He divided the massive empire into 20 separate provinces, each with its own governor. One of Darius's greatest achievements was the expansive postal network he set up across the Middle East, ensuring messages could be conveyed quickly. The large network of roads crisscrossing the empire was divided into postal routes, with horsemen stationed at regular intervals along the course. Any message between king and governor was transported from one stage to the next until it reached its destination. According to the ancient historian Herodotus, neither snow nor rain, nor heat nor darkness of night could prevent the couriers from accomplishing each one of his appointed tasks with the very utmost speed. A message could be carried to almost anywhere in the kingdom within a week. It did not take long before news of the Jews' speedy building project spread throughout the province of Ibanari beyond the river, also known as Trans-Euphrates. This large province was one of the 20 created by Darius, and it included the small district of Yehud, which Zerubbabel ruled as civil leader by permission of the Persian government. Other districts such as Samaria, Syria, Ammon, Phoenicia, were also part of Trans-Euphrates. Eventually, Tatanai, the governor of Trans-Euphrates, was notified of the large building project being undertaken by the Jews in Jerusalem. He immediately traveled there in order to inspect the project 
to ensure the Jews weren't trying to build a fortress to rebel against the empire. As the Persian officials' massive entourage approached Jerusalem, word reached Zerubbabel of the upcoming arrival of his superior. Instead of preparing a large welcoming ceremony, however, Zerubbabel instructed the Jews to keep on building. Eventually, Tatanai and his staff reached the temple site and came upon Zerubbabel, who was seated at a field desk looking over the plans. Zerubbabel rose to his feet, putting down the plans, and greeted the Persian official. Welcome to Jerusalem, Governor Tatanai. It's wonderful that you have visited us. What are you building here? And who gave you permission to do so? Tatanai asked Zerubbabel rather sternly. With an almost rehearsed clarity, Zerubbabel said, This structure you see before you is a temple to our great god built by royal decree of King Cyrus, the founder of the Persian Empire. Zerubbabel continued to tell Tatanai of the history of the Jews, how they went into captivity and returned upon Cyrus's decree. After hearing Zerubbabel's explanation, Tatanai responded, I am unaware of such a decree. I will need time to corroborate your story with King Darius. In the meantime, I insist that you stop working on this building. Many of the Jews who were busy around the temple heard his command, but none stopped working. Instead, they followed the orders of Zerubbabel. With all due respect, Tatnai, Zerubbabel responded, We will not stop working until we hear back from King Darius himself. With that, Zerubbabel told his assistant to grab a measuring device known as a plumb line, turned his back on Tatanai, and headed up to the temple site. Standing among his Persian god, Tatanai felt powerless. While it was his responsibility to ensure that the districts inside his province didn't rebel against the empire, he also knew that if Cyrus had actually given the Jews an edict to build, stopping their building by force would be an act of treason. Determined to find out the truth, the governor strode away from the temple site and retired to his makeshift tent with his scribe in tow. Tatanai dictated a letter to Emperor Darius, informing him of the exchange with Zerubbabel. After he was finished, he reviewed the text and confirmed the letter with his personal seal. The royal courier was immediately dispatched to the Persian capital, Susa, to discover the truth. About one week later, the royal postal service reached the imperial palace of Darius, carrying the letter from Jerusalem. The king's butler entered the royal chamber with news. We have an urgent letter from Tatnai, governor of Trans-Euphrates. He said, Read on, said the king, as he started to pace slowly around the room. The butler read aloud, To King Darius, peace be unto you. The king should know that we, your representatives, traveled to the district of Judah, to the temple of the great god. 
The people are building it with large stones and placing the timbers in the walls. The work is being carried on with diligence and is making rapid progress under their direction. While there, we questioned the elders and asked them, Who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? We also asked them their names, so you would know the leaders among them. Here is the answer they gave us. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, one that a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our ancestors angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldean king of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and deported the people to Babylon. But then, in the first year of Cyrus, king of the Persians, the king issued a decree to rebuild this house of God. He even removed from the temple of Babylon the gold and silver articles of the house of God which Nebuchadnezzar had brought there. Then King Cyrus gave those vessels to a man named Sheshbazar, whom he had appointed governor, and he told him, Take these vessels and deposit them in the temple in Jerusalem. Rebuild the house of God on its site. So this Sheshbazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God in Jerusalem. From that day to the present, it has been under construction, but it is not yet finished. Now if it pleases the king, order a search to be made in the royal archives of Babylon to see if King Cyrus did in fact issue a decree to rebuild this house of God in Jerusalem. Then let the king send us his decision in this matter. Signed, Tetnai, governor of Trans-Euphrates. Finishing the letter, the butler awaited instructions from the king. It is important that we get to the truth of this matter. We do not want to contradict a decree by our great founder Cyrus, the king said. Darius directed the butler to dispatch messengers at once to the keepers of the royal records at the four capitals of the empire, commanding them to search for the decree. A week or so later, the butler entered the royal chamber once again, this time with another scroll in his hand. What is it? Darius asked his servant. We have found a scroll affirming all of what the Jews claimed. It was located in the palace of Akbatana in the province of Media. Pointing to the scroll the butler held, Darius asked, Is that the original? Indeed it is, replied the butler, handing it over. Darius quickly opened the scroll and intently read every word, ensuring he understood the full weight of Cyrus's decree. Although Darius held the same office as King Cyrus before him, he, like all Persian rulers, looked back with a special awe to the empire's founder. He wanted to make sure he paid full respect to the wishes of the dead king. After taking a couple of minutes to read the document, Darius looked at his butler. Call for my scribe. He commanded, I need to write Tetnai to ensure he does not stop the work of the Jews. The scribe soon sat before Darius, busily recording the king's message. To Tetnai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, in the first year of King Cyrus, the king issued a decree concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt as a place to present sacrifices and let its foundations be laid. The costs are to be paid by the royal treasury. Also, the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, are to be returned 
to their places in the temple in Jerusalem. They are to be deposited in the house of God. Now then, Tatnai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and you other officials of that province, do not interfere with the work of this temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God. Moreover, I hereby decree what you are to do for these elders of the Jews to aid them in the construction of this house of God. Their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of Trans-Euphrates so that the work will not stop. Whatever is needed, young bulls, rams, male lambs for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, and wheat, salt, wine, and olive oil, as requested by the priests in Jerusalem, must be given them daily without fail, so that they may offer sacrifices pleasing to the God of heaven, and may pray for the well-being of the king and his sons. Furthermore, I decree that if anyone defies this edict, a beam is to be pulled from his house, and he is to be impaled upon it. And for this crime, his house shall be made a pile of rubble. May God, who has caused his name to dwell there, overthrow any king or people who lifts a hand to change this decree or to destroy this temple in Jerusalem. I, Darius, have decreed it. Let it be carried out with diligence. Immediately the letter was sealed and sent through the royal postal service back to Jerusalem. Upon reading the letter, Tatanai was extremely glad he had not tried to force the Jews to stop working on the temple. Instead, he ordered that the decreed supplies be brought to the Jews as a special gift from King Darius for the temple construction. In the meantime, the Jews had kept building, led by Zerubbabel and under the guidance of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. Four years later, the temple was finally finished, just before Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. A full 70 years had passed since the destruction of Solomon's temple. Realizing the powerful significance of the timing of the event, the Jews celebrated this emotional festival season with unmatched joy. They knew that God had blessed their efforts to restart the building project, especially through the edict of Darius. The temple was finally completed. to be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.